Welcome to my podcast with me, Dr. Kate Bartram-Brown, interviewing successful people that I know personally that all have something in common. Yes, they all use magic, the hidden sciences and the mystery school lineage to create success in the modern world. Hello, and once again, we're live. Welcome to the podcast of the Modern Mystery School. So if you're listening, welcome. Uh, But if you're joining us on our YouTube channel, then also welcome, welcome, welcome. And today I am joined by one of my all-time favorite people, Joanna Dyer. And uh, we've known each other for many, 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 many years. But she is doing something quite amazing with a small group of people um, that she knows. She is actually helping the asylum seekers in the Midlands through a a varied mix of wonderful donations and and all sorts of bazaars, all sorts of wonderful things that you're doing. And the Modern Mystery School, we've been, you know, a little bit involved, but I wanted an opportunity to share this with the wider audience because I think it's something that other people would like to support. Um, Joe, could you tell us a little bit about how it started, what it's what it's all about? Because you'll explain it much better than I will. <laughs> so um, it started in uh, April last year, right at the when we were in the middle of that awful first lockdown. Um, uh, we're in a we're in a small market town, quite a middle class, white middle class town called Bromsgrove. And all of a sudden, 147 asylum seekers were put up in a local hotel because of COVID, they couldn't be isolated in the detention centre. And of course, people are frightened of things like that. They don't understand what it it means. And there was quite a lot of um, pretty horrible rhetoric uh, surrounding the the arrival of these asylum seekers. You know, they were all men, they were all terrorists, all of this sort of stuff. And a very small group of us um, started sort of commenting on social media and trying to counter that, that story. Uh, And from there, it kind of grew into this group. We were just called ourselves originally supporting our Bromsgrove asylum seekers. Um, And it snowballed from there so that we we managed to get in touch with the hotel and find out what the needs were. And of course, discovered it wasn't all men. There were a lot of families with little children. Um, And we we started collecting uh, toiletries originally. And then it expanded to clothing, to shoes, um, to books, to laptops, to telephones, to bicycles, <laughs> anything that they needed, we tried to provide it. And originally they would come out of the hotel and we would hold a what we called a bazaar once every two weeks where they would come in and imagine a giant jumble sale, but we didn't have to pay any, for anything. Um, and the people of Bromsgrove really got behind this uh, and our, our, our members, the people that joined the group, grew from, you know, four of us to 250 in the space of a year, which is amazing. Um, And we start, I mean, the learning curve was huge, Kate. I'd never, I'd not really thought about asylum seekers. I didn't know what the issues were. I didn't know where they were coming from. Um, uh, And we did everything. We applied for school places. We helped them apply for asylum, all of those sort of things. Um, and then they all were moved, dispersed into more appropriate accommodation after most nearly nine months in a hotel room. You can imagine that was quite good. We've kept in touch with most of those people and still support now. And then um, literally this this summer, the Afghan crisis happened um, and we knew we were going to get some Afghan refugees. So we sort of came out of hibernation again. <laughs> Uh, ready to support the Afghan refugees. Uh, and at the same weekend they arrived, we had 
30 asylum seekers arrive. So we've now got in Bromsgrove two hotels supporting people in need like that. And the difference between asylum seekers and refugees is the Afghan refugees have come with permission, government supported and funded. Asylum seekers are those who have no way of coming unless it's, as the government term it, illegal. So if you can imagine, those people are desperate to, to take the, the hazardous journeys that they do. Um, they are fleeing from something pretty awful. Um, so we are supporting both of those at the moment. More support, obviously, for the asylum seekers. Um, they are largely vulnerable women, single women on their own. And we're now, we've changed the name. So we're now Bromsgrove and District Asylum Seeker Support, which stands for badass, because we call ourselves badass all the time. Well, you definitely are. All I've been following your work um, you, and, and the group's work over the past however many, you know, however long COVID's been, but it's been tremendous. I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, the, the hard work that goes into collecting, sorting, the care and love and attention that goes to making sure that every single family gets what they need. And for the people, you know, the donate people are donating what they actually need. And this is what I love about what you're doing, because this is a charity that is 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 working on looking at what people need mm -hmm. And then making sure that they get it and also with love. So, you know, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about the different charities out there and, and you know, the structures, but I can, you know, 100%, 100% of everything goes towards the, uh, the, you know, these asylum seekers, doesn't it? There's no, there's nothing that's taken. No, we, or... have, we have absolutely no admin costs. We are all volunteers. Um, the group size now has just go, gone over 650 50 people. Yeah. Uh, some of those, you know, are, are there just to watch what we do and maybe donate a little bit. And some that, some people on there are very, very active. Um, the only kind of, if you call it admin that we have or outgoings we have in that sense, are we hire a local village hall um, once a week to do arts and crafts activities. And they're also a charity. So we do pay a little bit. I mean, it's only like £20 or something. But you know, other than that, every everything we, you know, in terms of money, it, it absolutely goes to, um, to to purchase whatever they need and 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 fund whatever they need. That's amazing. We we only have a, about four minutes left, Joe. But would you be able to tell us a little, you know, a short story about one of the? I know there's many, and I, we're going to get you back on, and um, share a story and, and how we can help. You know what we can do. The hotel that that currently houses asylum seekers, as I said, has has um, mostly single, vulnerable women, and I have been sometimes come home in tears, devastated because every single one of those women has got an absolutely tragic story behind them. Um, I can think of a, the most gorgeous woman called Maria, um, who is from Guinea, and she's like your grandmother. Actually, she's only 47. But when I first met her, I thought she was, you know, my granny. She's got the most wonderful beaming smile. But she's from a country called Guinea. And um, 11 years ago, there was a government military coup uh, and, and a dictatorship came in. She and her husband and her two teenage children were, were part, as, as, as along with many people, went and protested in a, um, held a big protest rally in a, a local stadium. The government came in in their tanks and shot everybody. Her husband was shot in front of her. Uh, he fell on her as he died and broke her uh, femur. 
Um, her son was taken away. She hasn't seen him ever again. Her daughter was taken away and raped. And, and then her daughter apparently has escaped, she thinks. Um, Maria herself was carted off to hospital where her leg was treated obviously very, very badly and thrown into prison, all because she didn't agree with the dictator. That woman came out of prison two years ago and has spent two years getting herself to safety in the UK. She has lost her whole family. And that's just, as I say, one story, yeah. one story. I could tell you a story for all 30 of those women. How can we help, Joe? Tell us. How can we help? What can we do as you know to support you? At the moment, we are we've just started setting up English classes. We start the first ones tomorrow. Uh, they've all been assessed for their English. Uh, that's going to make a massive difference. We're trying to empower the women, and we're starting to have an impact. They come with the opinion that they are second class citizens. That that if there's a problem, if if they are raped, it's their fault, for example. And there are some women in the hotel to whom that has happened. Um, and so English is really important. What we need at the moment, and I hate, I don't like asking for money, I like asking for items, but at the moment money is really important because it means we can purchase exactly what we need in terms of resources for teaching English. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really, really important. We also want to give them bus passes so they can, the hotel's in a really rubbish area on a dual carriageway. They need to be able to travel to, to, to towns and learn how things work. Um, so that's why we're asking for money this time as opposed to actual items. That's wonderful. Thank you, Joe. We are running out of time, but I, may I invite you back? So yes. you know, next yes. month we can find out how you're getting on and what, what you might need then. Is it OK if I post um, an, an email address so people can contact you yep. to donate or, or they can you know, come through me? I'll put my email address down and we'll organise it. No problem at all. Uh, thank you so right. much. Thank you for everything that you're doing. It's tremendous. Yeah, tremendous. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you all again next time.